I love you guys too. All right, all right. So anyway, you guys are quite fun tonight. Yeah, if you guys have never been here before, you guys are going to recognize these people after a while. You'll know who they all are. But the red-haired girl that came up here is my daughter, and then the one back there screaming is my son. And, uh, yeah, so um, if you've never been here before, welcome. We're really happy that you came. It's a perfect week to have come because it's actually what they call Passion Week. And uh, it's a great time to come. Show some passion for Jesus, you know. Obviously... Uh, this is the week we, we know on the Palms is uh, Palm Sunday is when Jesus entered into uh, Jerusalem and uh, was basically knew he was going to his death. He knew that that was the plan. And uh, what is happening this week is just really just uh, the whole story. We know on Friday was when actually he is on the cross and he's crucified and he dies. But we know the promise was that within three days he comes back, he rises, and he right now sits at the hand, the right hand of the Father. We serve a God that's not dead. We need to understand that, okay? We need to understand that the reason why we praise Jesus and we love him so much is because we have a God that is alive and is with us every single day. And also, we believe his promises that he's going to come back for his followers, those people that are faithful for him. And uh, that is a great promise to know that we have an escape. I thought it was really interesting because tonight was one of those nights where um, I never talked to the people at all about what they were doing for worship. And they picked the songs, and I thought, what a perfect song to really end on. You know, when we talk about having passion. Because we know, if you've ever seen the whole story about Jesus, it's called the passion. It's his passion, what he did for us. Because he loved us so much that he was so willing to die for us. And it's an, an interesting thing. Also, with Cassie, she has no idea what I was teaching on, besides it being you-oriented. But uh, I thought it was really interesting in her prayer on how the Holy Spirit works, because she talked about our time how much time that we're going to spend, you know, if it's a minute, hour, whatever. It's actually a point I'm going to make in my message. So I kind of want to start with a, a quick thing about Easter traditions. I don't know if you guys know much about Easter traditions. Do you know why we do eggs? What the point is? I actually really didn't understand it either. And then I'm thinking now, I don't know if I can read it because I'm so blind. <laughs> um, it's eggs. Pardon? Well, not that I hear of. <laughs> It says here that eggs are a traditional symbol of new life. Um, there are a lot of countries actually hard boil and, and dye them, which is, I was really kind of surprised. I thought really it was something that maybe we just did, but a lot of places do it. And uh, this is really tiny writing, guys. Wow. I told you I'm so blind. I told somebody when I <laughs> said hi to him at the beginning when they whispered, I'm like, I'm old. I can't hear. Now you see I can't see. I will notice everything you do wrong, though, because it's a mother thing. So I do pick up on that. Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, in, in American tradition, we do those things. We have the Easter bunny. Easter bunny, basically, why do we use it, a bunny? It's fertility. We know Easter bunnies, they say they procreate, they constantly have babies, like nonstop. And Easter is, it's, pardon? No, don't wear the don't wear the costume, and we're not going to do none of that. No, we're <laughs> definitely not going to go there. It's bad enough we might do the M and M's or something. But you know the thing is with Easter eggs. I mean, there's a lot of countries that celebrate in different things, but there's a whole lot of countries that actually do the egg thing. And I was really surprised. Bulgaria actually does that. They hide their eggs, and and uh, they also do this other thing where they take these hard-boiled eggs and they go up to people's heads, 
And they actually, like, clear them out, and they put these little paper things inside of them, and they go up, and their tradition is they smash them on top of people's heads. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, the other thing that they said that they do is in another tradition in Bulgaria, the oldest woman in the family takes uh, an egg that's covered in red and walks up to the kids and people and rubs it on their faces, and it shows that they have vigorous, like, personalities and that they're strong and they can survive the winter, I guess, next year. But... Um, it's interesting. Mexico does the same thing. Germany, it says eggs are dyed green. And uh, that's just, I guess, the color they do them in. That's interesting. Um, it says here uh, in Greece, it says on Easter Sunday in Greece, there is a public procession. Red eggs um, for the blood of Jesus Christ are tapped together while one person declares Christ is risen and the other um, replies truly he has risen. I think that's interesting. So there's a lot of traditions on Easter. You know, the other thing that's really interesting about Easter, the whole ceremony and the situation of it, it's never stopped once it started. Christmas, there's a lot of times it started and stopped in tradition, but they said Easter has never. It's been one of those things that is constantly, once it started, it's continued on and uh, it's happened every single year. We know Easter this year is really early, right? Do you know why it's early? I didn't know this either. But they, they actually go off the moon, which is quite interesting. They go off the moon, and, and after, like, the certain moon, then they count back so many days, and that's when we have Easter. This is the earliest. One of the things Pastor said last couple weeks is this is the earliest we're going to have Easter for another two. We won't have this early of an Easter for 200 more years. So all of us will be dead when this celebrates this again. <laughs> None of us will be alive, and that's how it is. So anyway, we're going to continue on with our message. That was just a little Easter trivia. Uh, I think it's always interesting to kind of find out what our... Um, what the background is on some holidays, if, you ever, if you're interested in that, I am. But uh, tonight we're going to talk about our True You series. And uh, tonight we're going to kind of talk about the fact that maybe, you know, it's all about you. And I'm going to tell you a little story. I know Nicole is our storyteller, but it's very short, and I think I can handle it, okay? I wrote this print big, so I can read this. It says here, a pig and a hen were both walking around in the barnyard. A truck drove by the farm with a sign on it saying ham and eggs. The hen turned at that point to the pig and said, we are both the same. We provide a lot for our caregivers. We give them such wonderful meals. Yes, replied the pig, that's true. But for you, it only involves a day work, day's work. But for me, it's a total sacrifice. See? Interesting. You know, hens, we know they're constantly putting out those eggs. And, you know, it, doesn't, it, it is work. We take the, uh, you know, the eggs back. But, you know, the pig is committed. The pig's going to give up some bacon. He's pretty much not coming back. Although, did you ever see that Simpson where that, he actually picks up the pig and he eats a bite? freaks me out every single time I see that episode because it's like he picks up the pig and takes a bite and it keeps walking. Really weird. All right. <laughs> you know, the thing with our society today is we very rarely see anybody really sacrificing for someone else. It just doesn't happen that much. People seem very driven to do things what they want to do. When it comes time to help someone, they're not really so ready to help. And, and a lot of times, even when they do help, it's really for a short amount of time. This is where I said my time thing. Sometimes it's just for a few minutes and maybe a few hours someone's willing to give. Maybe if we're really, really lucky, somebody will give us a couple days' work, you know, and do something. You know, this is nothing like what Jesus did for us. You know, so long ago, 2,000 years, you know, here, here's this, this God who was, you know, we, we find out, and if we read God's word, he says he's 100% God, but he was 100% man. 
And because of his willingness to really die on the cross, you know, he sacrificed it all. He completely gave up everything because he loved us so much. Like I said, he had so much passion for the people. And, and I always try to explain to you that Jesus did not just exist as a baby. He, he was there at the creation of time when everything was created, when the heavens and the earth and light and darkness and all those different things took place. God's word says that he was there, that he existed. I want to read you a little story about some people and how they look at things. And I'm going to read you out of Mark 10. Um, it says here, James and John came up to Jesus and asked him to do something for them. They asked if he would arrange it so that they would be awarded the highest places of honor when Jesus came into his glory. They wanted to sit on his right and his left hand. Jesus told them that they had no idea as to what they were asking of him and asked, are you capable of drinking the cup of suffering that I drink from? They, of course, said that they were. Then he goes on to tell them, he says, yes, you would drink from the same cup of suffering that I'm going to, um, but it's my father's choice as to where, who, and where people are going to sit. Soon the other disciples caught wind of this. Don't they always? Do you guys have friends? Nobody gets away with anything. Normally, most everybody hears somebody that says something just a little bit wrong. They're like, oh, did you hear that? I can't believe it said that. So the other disciples catch wind of what they were asking Jesus, and they become really angry with James and John. And so to settle this all down, Jesus speaks to all of them. And he says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. The whole point of Easter, we celebrate in America with Easter bunnies, and we celebrate with eggs, and we celebrate with candy, and all those different things, but we really do miss a lot of times the point of what the whole thing is about. And it is the fact that our God, our Savior, is, has died for us, and because of our sins, he gave up his life so willingly and also fulfilled every prophecy that was ever done through the Old Testament. Throughout Isaiah, there's all these different prophecies saying that our king, the king would ride up on a donkey and, and all these different things. And that's just such a sign of humbleness. And it's exactly what happened when Jesus did fulfill everything. Jesus came to this earth as a total sacrifice, and he gave every bit of himself. He was a committed God. It cost him absolutely everything. Throughout the Bible, we read, if we read that story, we can see that he's so willing to do it, but also very traumatized at what he's going to go through. Because he's God. He knows the pain that's going to be. He knows exactly what it's gonna take, what's going to take place. It says that Jesus was actually so burdened and so upset with this that he actually sweated. He was sweating drops of blood. He was so anguished over what was going to happen. You know, it's going to cost him everything. So many people don't give anything. Jesus was willing to give every bit. Um, a lot of times, I really want to take it into the direction I think is our salvation. I was telling people this last week in Sunday school. I think that God just really kind of like spoke this, this situation to me. As I was just driving, I wasn't listening to any worship, wasn't paying attention to any radio or anything, and I was just thinking about about Sunday school and the things I was going to teach and, and just also about service and praying for the service. And I really just thought, had this like um, thought come into my mind that we look at Christianity really wrong. I think sometimes we look at being a Christian as something that we've done. You know, that we call ourselves a Christian because we've accepted Jesus as our Savior. And we say this. 
But that's not really the case. Being a Christian is not something we've done. It's something that we do every day. It's a choice that we make every single day if we're going to follow what Christ has done for us. It's not something that is a noun. It's more so something that's a verb. It's a doing, an action type thing. And I think in Christianity what happens, a lot of people, if they're um, believers, I'm not as much of a believer. I'm going to tell you, I'm full force in the whole idea of calling ourselves followers. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're a follower, you're going to be keeping up. Because otherwise you're going to be lost, just what God's word says. So I think that we have to keep up. So I'm a firm believer in using the word being a follower of Christ. But I think that there's a lot of people that are really aren't following as close as they need to be. You know, a lot of times there's these people that sit there and say, I love Jesus. I love him so much. He just means so much to me. And then they hardly even give a day's work like the hen. You know, they hardly even do anything. And it's not really the truth. Because if you read through the Bible, you realize that anybody that was a disciple or a follower of God was expected to do much. And God tells us that's what's going to take place. He even says that you're going to be given so many things, but he says lots of persecution. It's going to happen if you're a follower of mine. Um, this all goes back to who we truly are. Really, what kind of person are we deep down? I think sometimes we're very, very selfish. What do you think? How many of you guys have dealt with really selfish people in your life? I'm going to tell you, it's very difficult when you're around selfish people. I'm sure those disciples at that time, when they hear James and John saying all these different things, like, hey, Jesus, you know, we just want to, you know, when you go into your glory, you know, can we sit at your right hand and your, your left hand, you know, when you get there? You know, that's, that's going to be upsetting because they're all equally sacrificing. And so it's like, well, hey, who are you to think that you can go up and ask them all these different things, you know? Are you doing any more than we are? So you can see that there's a very selfish motives. We always want to get our higher point. We want to do better. We want to be noticed. So tonight, I want to tell you something. In the midst of this you series, I want to tell you something very, very important, okay? Shh. Get real close. Pay attention. Maybe, just maybe, it's not only about you, okay? Sometimes it's just not about us. Even though we like to make it all about us, how we're feeling. You know, we come into worship. You know, we, Cassie prefaced it perfectly. You know, what are we doing here? When we sing our songs, you know, granted, we usually play, you know, do the three songs. And, and, you know, a lot of times people might look at it as just something that's repetitious. This is what we do. But it's not just that. It is worship. It's how you look at it. Why are you here? It's not just about us and what we're feeling, what our emotions are, how our day was, all those different things. It's about the fact that if we really do love the God that we say we serve, are we going to worship him? Are we going to praise him? Are we going to be there for him? Sometimes I think all of us would really have a, a real hard understanding of the fact that, really, it's not about me. It's really not about me. Maybe, you know, maybe it is. Maybe you just don't realize it is about me. You know, um, how do you think this world could be different if we weren't so selfish? I think it would be a whole lot of a different place, you know? I think it could be, and, and you know, it, it could be an amazing world if we weren't so concerned and so wrapped up with being first. No matter how many, some of you guys are told that, some of you will still have a hard time understanding that. Sometimes you'll come and you'll sit there and think, but no, no, listen to me. 
it's more important if I get to do what I want, if I get to be who I want, if I get to act up the way I want or run when I want or do all these different things. But really, it's not just about you. Um, adults, I'm sure each one of you guys have heard that most adults probably think teenagers are very self, self-absorbed, don't you think? Do you guys hear that? Oh, I'm sure your parents are like, oh, come on, it's not just about you in here all this time. You know, there's other people that live in this house. It's not just about you. I'm sure you probably heard that. Probably heard it. Most, most adults really have a bad impression of teenagers. It's like, oh, man, they're the selfish bunch, and, you know, they're, they're the most selfish bunch there is. And I completely disagree. I told you many, many times, I see a lot of middle age and senior citizens. They are selfish. They won't move out of an aisle in a grocery store for the life of them. They're first. And they'll shuffle in front of you for a good aisle long because they're first. And they're not going to let you go. I've seen teenagers stop and let me go when I crossed a pedestrian walk. I've seen senior citizens nearly run me down because of the fact that they're first. And it don't matter if it's raining and pouring and you're getting soaked and they're warm, that warm, nice warm car, I'm first. That's the way they look at it. You know, I think all of us can be selfish. I don't think there's an age that's different. I think it starts off right off the bat when we're little tiny babies. You know, we're very selfish. It's like, feed me, change me. You know, and all of a sudden you start toddling around. It's like, cookie, mama. It's everything's the same. Like, me, 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 notice me. I don't think it's any different when you're teenagers. I think you want to be noticed, but I also don't think it's any more selfish than anybody else. I think a lot of times parents, when they become parents, it becomes all about this is my schedule, my time. And sometimes people have kids and they're thinking, I'm thinking, why did you even do it? Because you're not even ready to really sacrifice anything of yourself to have them in your life. I told you, senior senior citizens. I think there's nobody on this earth that doesn't deal with selfishness to some degree. I don't think it's any age at all. I think it is just a me, me, me attitude that's in our, um, our midst with people. Um, I I definitely think selfishness is something that's very, very prevalent. If you look at what the word selfish means, um, the definition means uh, stinginess resulting from a concern for your own welfare and a real disregard for others. I think we can see that. Notice it. It is in our nature. It's in our nature to be selfish, to think only of ourselves and, and not really to think of others. And I think it's kind of bred into us. It's kind of just the way we're made. I mean, we can see that happen right off the bat. I mean, if you look through the Bible, you can see that the beginnings of the Bible are filled with selfishness. We can see throughout a lot of different things that you've ever, um, you know, noticed in society. And most people have got to be, you know, first. It's a me attitude. Um, There's a little story here. I thought this was funny, too. It says there's a story. For some reason, I have all breakfast um, stories. I don't know why. Maybe I was hungry. I don't know if that's what it was. But honestly, I started looking back over my and I'm like, another thing about breakfast. Okay. Um, there's a story of a mom who's making breakfast for her sons who were five years old and three years old. Soon the boys begin to argue over who was going to get the very first pancake. So the mom thought, this is a perfect time when I can tell them something about Jesus and how it is that we're all supposed to really act. So she says to her boys, if Jesus were here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. So at that point, the five-year-old turns to the brother that's three and says, you be Jesus. (laughs) You be Jesus now. I think that's just society. I think that's how we all are. We're just made to be very selfish. 
We want to be first. When you have a, a conversation, don't you want to be heard? I mean, sometimes you listen to other people, and there's like, you're like, but listen to me. I have something important to say. Pay attention to me. I think that all of us think that way. We don't want to be second. And we definitely never, ever, ever want to be last, do we? I mean, it comes time to be in last. We're just like, uh-uh, not me. You know, if you're ever picked on a team at school, I mean, if you're last, it's miserable. And it's miserable. You want to be first. So there's these, a lot of selfish people in this world. And I, I think, you know, to get along with them is not easy. How many people have, have really dealt with somebody that, um, to get along with somebody that's selfish, you have to do things in the exact way that they want to do them alone? That's it. They're not going to go off in a different way. You have to do it exactly. This, this, this. How about those people that only ever want to talk only about themselves? You know, it's their story. I went here. I did this. I bought this. Then I went to bed. And it's like half the time you're like, you're boring. But honestly, they're selfish. Um, every situation that you talk about, everything revolves around them. Everything. Every single thing. They don't ever offer to help anyone because a lot of times it's going to cost them something. You know, it might cost them time, gas, money, and they're not really willing to give up any part of themselves. Then there's those people that, like I say, always have to be first. You know, if you're driving, you know, they cut you off, they'll push ahead, you're in a line, they're going to knock you down to be first, and, you know, they just got to be first. I always tell everybody the story when years ago, when I was pregnant with Cameron, we would always go, and we still do up, go up to Oshkosh for this big air show. And uh, my father-in-law would go all the time. And he had his own plane, and, and we would always go up there. We flew in this one airport, and because it's so crowded, I mean, it's the world's largest aviation event when you go. I mean, it's, it's huge. I mean, there's miles and miles and miles of airplanes. You can go right up and touch them. It's really awesome. But, you know, we're, we're there. We flew into this one airport and had to transfer to another one. So we had to go to a bus and get on it. Now, if you know, I mean, there's different classes of people. I mean, it's just the way it is. These people were all doctors, lawyers, people that had their own planes. I mean, had some money. They weren't cheap or poor. And I'm going to tell you, we were in line. I was pregnant, and um, I'm standing in line, and the bus comes, and it stopped at a different point than what they thought it was going to be at. And every single one of those people pushed me, shoved me, knocked me down to be able to get on that bus first because they didn't want to wait. And my father-in-law, if, you, if you'd ever would have met him, <laughs> he was scary. <laughs> but he was one of them was like, I'm never going back to that place. I'm never, never. And he never went back. That was it. He says, they people can't treat people with more respect than that. I'm not going. He never did want to go back to that. He said, forget it. People are just too selfish. You know, the thing is it crosses boundaries of financial blessings, everything. Selfish is selfish. It doesn't matter who you are. There's part of you that's selfish inside of you. Even if you think you are the most giving, wonderful person, there is a selfish streak inside of you. I know there is inside of me, you know? Our actions show our selfishness to others. How much we say it does, sometimes, really doesn't match up to how much it really is, you know? Um, you need to understand, though, that what God actually says is that the followers of Christ are actually supposed to be last. That's what it says in God's word. It's not first, not second, not third, but absolutely last. First 
is supposed to be God in our lives. That's what God's word says. First is God. Second is always supposed to be others. Third is ourselves. We're last. That's what it's supposed to be. So you can see we fight. It's our sinful nature. Our nature inside of ourselves is always trying to be first. But God tells us, because it is always that way, God's word is very confounding to people most of the time. He says, no, no, be last. Now, it, it goes right along with exactly his message. We, we understand that Jesus came to be king, and he's savior of the world. But yet he died on the cross for each one of us and basically was willing to die as a, as a nothing instead of the king, the earthly king that he could have came as. He made himself last. I think people lose focus. Christians lose focus a lot of times. Um, we know for sure the disciples lost focus. If you look at that scripture, you know, here they are walking around with the, the king of kings, their savior, their, you know, they're his disciples, and they completely lost focus about what he was telling them. They became a whole lot less concerned about God and others than they did about themselves. If you go back to the scripture and you look at something very important, if you look right above it, right before James and John asked Jesus if they could be on his right and left when he comes into his kingdom, in chapter 32 in Mark 10, Jesus actually takes the disciples aside and tells them, notice this, once more. So obviously told, it's that he's told them many times. So he says, right before this whole experience, he says, once more begins to describe to them everything that was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. There's some very short-sighted people. I mean, he's sitting there telling them right before this whole experience that he is going to be given up, that he's going to die. It actually says, what he tells me, he says, when we get to Jerusalem, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, beat him with their whips, and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. Isn't that interesting? So he's sitting there telling, telling them exactly what's going to happen to him. He's going to be, he's going to be murdered. He's going to die. And immediately right after, it says, right the next phrase is then after that James and John goes up to Jesus and says hey can we sit at your right hand and your, your left hand when you die <laughs> that's basically what they're asking pretty selfish motives when you just find out that the God that you are basically following on around in flesh tells you he's going to die and that's what your concern is definitely not worried about God definitely not worried about others that's callous that's very callous and cold. You know, he's telling them all these different things and they want to know where they're going to get the good seat. Something really wrong with that. I don't think it's any different than what we do. I really don't. I think that we're always like, wow, that's so callous, it's so horrible. It's terrible to think that somebody would do that. But, you know, we do the same exact thing. We go to church. We might go to CYM or you might go to another place. You might hear a message about Jesus who died on the cross for our sins and then someone right after, you know, you hear this message and it's like it's, it's, you're starting to think about what maybe God wants of you or, you know, what God did for you, the sacrifice he made. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're done. Someone asks us to hang out. And uh, we completely forget within a couple minutes of exactly what he did for us. The Bible describes it as a man looking in a mirror and completely forgetting what he looks like. Because we don't understand. We should understand our salvation as such a meaningful thing that it should be something that we reflect upon every day. It's not something that we should just so simply forget 
because of us and our needs. First commandment that God gives us in Exodus 20 is put no other gods before me. I think a lot of us have things out of order. And I think for a lot of us, I'm going to tell you, I think that we put ourselves as a God in front of Jesus or God. I definitely believe so. I'd like to challenge you to think about those things that you think about. When you get up in the morning, what do you think about? Do you start to think about how you feel, what you're going to wear today, where you're going to go today? Are you going to see what friend today, you know, or, or um, you know, what, what, what exactly you'll be doing? Are you going to watch this show? Are you going to read this book? Or what are you going to do? It's all about you. It's all about you. I think that we're very selfish. Maybe you are more selfish than you ever thought. You've got to understand that selfishness is rooted in pride. Pride is a root of most a lot of sins, I'll tell you. Um, I think a lot of people think that their time is more valuable than other people's times. You know, or you can't be bothered with people. And a lot of that thinking does not go hand in hand with being a follower of Christ. Jesus himself was very exhausted. I mean, throughout the Bible, we see time and time again where he's exhausted. He's wiped out. He wants to escape. He wants to go rest. But over and over again, we see him being very selfless and given to the people anyway. Mark 6, 31, 34 says, Then Jesus said, Let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. They left the boat for a quieter spot, but many saw them leaving and ran ahead on the shore and met them as they landed. A vast crowd was there, and he stepped out of the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he taught them many things. Very, very selfless. That's the God that we have. Concerned about others, more so than he is concerned about himself and his need to rest. John 15, 22 says, Jesus says, I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. So we're supposed to love other people with that same compassion, the same willingness to serve, to be there for them, to help them. To share the message of Christ with them. I mean, that, that's what it's about. How are you showing your love for Jesus? How do you show your love to other people around you? You know, when you get up, are you, you know, Ryan did the, the little skit up here, you know, talking about his mom. Is that how you show love? Is that how you show compassion? Is it all about you and the need to play a game instead of, like, showing respect or compassion to people? There's a saying that says, real life is not measured by what we get, but what we give. I think that's a principle that we really need to learn to live by. You know, there's, there's also a saying that says, if we take care of God's stuff, then he's going to take care of our stuff. I do think that we need to be challenged on our thought, though, because I think that a lot of times we expect God to be there. We give him nothing, absolutely nothing. But all of a sudden, our life falls apart. Things aren't going so good, and we expect him to be right there. Helping us out. Being, being our, our deliverer, our helper. And, oh, God, you're right there beside me. It's like, but you know what? You haven't even been anywhere near him. He doesn't even know you. That's what his word says. Away from me, I don't even know you. That's what he says to those people that say that they love him, say that they're followers, and then they're not really there. I think we just really need to get understanding that there is more expected. Christianity is not a noun. It is a verb. Are you showing love to God? 
When you get up, are you caring? Do you care about your, your really relationship with him? Communication. If you're not communicating with God, you're not going to have a relationship. I mean, you have best friends. If you don't talk to him, do you feel close? No. So why is it that we would feel like we, we, can't, we don't have to talk to God, but yet we still expect that we're going to be close to God? That same thing, and the, how the relationship works. We have to understand that it works that same way. When we communicate with him, we're going to be close to him. We're going to feel him. We're going to know that he's there. And when he starts to work on our hearts, we start to grow into people that he would be. We're going to find ourselves being more compassionate, more loving, more gentle, more willing to help others around us. It's not going to be just about you. The other point I wanted to make is this. This is something I've really been dealing with a lot. Over the years, it's been about six years, it'll be June, beginning of June, it'll be six years that I've done youth ministry. One thing that's really frustrating to me is the fact that there's a lot of people that come, they're here, but they don't serve. I don't think that's all at all of God. I don't. I think that we need to quit being fed and we need to feed. We really do. We need to be willing to give and help and, and be there. I think that we miss the point. I think what happens is you get, a, you, know, you get the same people that help all the time, and they're exhausted. If you guys help on a regular basis every single week at CYM, can you raise your hands? Those who really faithfully give every single week. Mark, you're pretty faithful. You started. Ron, you're starting to be. You're, you're getting devoted into it. Raise your hands high. I want to see the servants. We should be excited that we're servants. I want to challenge you if you don't, please, please start serving. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a big disconnect. We're missing a whole group of people here. Because what we have is we have a lot of older people, but they're involved in the college ministry. They're involved with other ministries. Fusion, our college uh, ministry that's on um, IVC at the campus. You know, there's a lot of things. But we need people who are willing to step up and serve here. Because, you know, there is that saying, many hands make for light work. If we're all doing our part, we're not going to be exhausted. You know, if there's a huge, huge weight laying up here, and you have a good 15, 20 people to pick it up, it's not that hard. If you have one person trying to do it, they're going to struggle, and they're going to be sweating. It shouldn't be that way in ministry. It really shouldn't be. We need people to step up and really to serve. And I think we serve out of love. We're going to care about our friends that we invite, we're going to care about the people that are around us if we really do love them and we're followers of Christ. But I just want to challenge you about that. I want to pray for you real quick. And I just want to uh, give you an opportunity. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, it is a perfect week to do it. Because I'm going to tell you, this Sunday when we come in, or Good Friday, when we praise God for dying on the cross for us, but on Sunday when we realize that it's because we're celebrating the fact that he came, you know, that he rose again, that he came back to life and he's now not dead on a cross, but he's living with God the Father in heaven. That's something to praise God about. If you understand that, if you don't understand, come talk to somebody about it. If you still don't get it, you don't understand it, there's going to be people that you can talk to. Every one of those people that you've seen come up with the stage, people that are working in the sound booth, you can ask somebody. Ask me. I'm here for you. But if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, talk to somebody about it. I'm going to tell you, it's the best thing you could do. It really is. It's, it's freedom. It's freedom to have that. So anyway, let me pray for you. And uh, I'm really thankful that you guys are here tonight. Well, Lord, I just pray that you would just be with each person that's here, Lord, that they'd recognize how much it is that you love them. 
how much it is, Lord God, that you look at them with compassion, that you did. Lord, each person that walks this earth, Lord, from the time of before and the time of how many people forever in the future are going to walk this earth, Lord, you died for each one of those people. Lord, for every sin that they did commit, are committing, and are going to commit, Lord, you made a way, Father, that each person could be made pure and holy in God's sight. And I just thank you for that. I just praise you for this week. I just ask, Father, that you would just help each person here, Lord, grasp what it is that you've done for them. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would really just reveal it to them. And I just pray, Father, if there's any questions that somebody would be willing to share them. And, Lord, um, that you would just help people, Lord, to grow closer to you. And I just pray that they'd be willing to accept you, Lord, if that's what your will is. I just pray, Father, that you would open a door for that. And I just pray for each person that's here, Lord, for their families, that they'd have a great Easter, a great break. And, uh, Lord, that you would just really have them um, really just enjoy their break for the, ho- for the school break, Lord. And uh, just really help them, Lord, to know who you are, though, during that time. I just thank you for everything, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen.